This is an ABC podcast. I'm Jonathan Green and this is Lost and Found. Where to this week? Well, somewhere close to home. It was just days before Melbourne locked down tight and I drove to the city's southeastern fringe to meet Tim Entwistle uh, for one of our regular garden walks. We met at a place that I have longed to visit, uh, a garden that is unique and proudly all-Australian. So grab a scarf, uh, pop on your coat, we are off for a wander in the Royal Botanic Gardens, Cranbourne. Well, it's a good it's a good place for a winter walk. In fact, it's it's late winter, and what's interesting about this time of year is it's really more of an early spring. So I've often described it as a, a sprinter, which is a the spring we have in August in Australia. And what you'll see in this garden here at Cranbourne is lots of Australian plants, of course, and many of them starting to come into flower, which we don't think about in winter. We often think about winter being quiet. Stack of wattle as I, as I came in, which is always that lovely gift at the end of winter. That's right. And it's, uh, that smell, that's, uh, I mean, some people find it overwhelming. I, I love it. I just think it's so evocative of the Australian bush. And we're here. And, and the first thing you see as you, as you leave the visitor's centre and walk out into the garden, is this great field of that that iconically, and I use the word <laughs> reluctantly, but I'm drawn to it, this, this redness here, this field of Australian arid red in front of me and, and dotted with salt bushy sort of grey. Tell us about this, Tim. Yes, do you want me to be a little bit more precise? I salt you, bushy grey. Yeah, you, no. you can probably have the words. Well, it's very interesting because the whole garden here is a little bit different to typical botanic gardens where you have lots of plants with lots of labels on, which we do have here and you'll mm. see the names on them. But it's more about landscapes and trying to get a style and a look and a feel. So this, we're looking at the red sand garden. The first thing you see when you come out to the Australian garden at Cranbourne Gardens you see this red sand and you see a, a long linear planting stretching out ahead of us looking like it goes off into the distance through that that red sand of the centre of Australia. You can see salt pans uh, mapped out in front of us here. Now that's not this is not what it would look like in central Australia so the idea yeah. is not to recreate it but to just evoke it. And it is a, a splendid evocation of that, the colours, that, that, that sense of flat openness it really takes you it takes you into the middle of the country beautifully and a lot of the story here is in fact about water or lack mm. of and this part is where there is little water so this is a landscape that doesn't have you can't see any water here as we walk through the australian garden you'll start to see water appearing you'll see a stream you'll start to see the the sense of how you know you go down flood plains and right to the coast and that's that's a central theme through the garden as well as just celebrating Australian birds and Australian which plants. There are plenty. <laughs> there are plenty. <laughs> Who knew? You plant a lot of Australian plants and suddenly you have a garden full of birds. <laughs> well, that, yeah, in fact, it's a great place for bird watching. And uh, it's a, a shame at the moment, of course, because people can't travel outside their areas to come and see these gardens. Mm. But it is a place where people do congregate in the mornings to look out for birds, for marsupials, like we have wallabies and koalas, even all kinds of creatures here as well. In making a botanic garden of purely Australian plants, what's the what's the thinking? Are you looking for a range of specimens? Are you looking for 
um, particular environments. What's the what's the plan? Well, in in this case, it's two things. One is to display what Australia looks like, what its flora, what its vegetation, its sort of kind of feel and look. Now you get a bit of that, but then even uh, or just as importantly, it's to show what Australian plants can be used for in the garden. So you get mm. to see them looking like Australian plants and bushy plants. You get to see them looking like a a very formal landscape. You'll see some that are more like English plants. Really, when this was set up and it was opened in 2012, it was to show that you can use an Australian plant in any setting, in any garden, in any place. You don't have to use Australian plants, but you can, if you choose to, use one from somewhere across Australia. Jonathan, I, I do have to show you this one over okay, here. I'm going to drag you right. across. Yes. The, these are little narrow strips of gardens that are from different places in Australia. So there's only okay. you know, three or four species in each of these, or, and only a dozen plants. So Mallee here, Avon, Wheatbelt. It, that's right. So you've got Western Australia, you've got uh, Victoria, Tasmania. Yes, but in front of us, mm. this lovely Pymelia, it's called a Qualip Bell, Q-U, Qualip Bell. And it's, look, it's just a little bit fading now, I'm sad It's a to beautiful say. flower. But it's, these are the bracts of the flowers. So those lovely pinky sort of yellowy bells, inside those is where all the flowers hide and where the birds will find their beak, you know, pecking up in there to get the nectar. But what you see are just little coverings around the flowers. It's from West Australia. You can see it out in West Australia if you go. They're a beautiful plant. That is brilliant. So each of these regions is sort of a, a metre and a bit wide strip heading up this little hill here, full of plants of particular places. It's, what, what, what a sense you get, too, of his Gawler in South Australia, his, his Hampton. So this is more, it is more sculptural and artistic probably mm. than, a, than typically horticultural. In fact, it's actually quite tricky. You can see over here to the left, you start to see some trees that are getting larger and there's a bottle tree in the distance. They're very hard to grow in little narrow garden beds. Okay. But, you know, we like a challenge. You do. And, and you've risen to it. Yeah. We see water. We do. Now, the water's not running through at the moment. It's a little low because this will start trickling across in the later morning. In fact, we, you can actually wade here in summer, so it's, mm. a, it's a nice, cool place. But it, it, it's an, a lovely sculptural uh, element there too. The escarpment, as, as you can see, made out of steel. And interestingly, sort of rusting back to that, that colour. I mean, so much of... The Australian centre we know has that iron in it. Yeah, again, it sort of matches such that, a relationship. That red sand, doesn't mm. it, on the on the edge of that, the water, and then on the other side here we have various sort of exhibits or garden displays. Now, some of these, this one here is about um, tough garden plants, different cultivars, different colours. So each of these garden beds has flowers of different colours. Those. You can see poles there, which which uh, look like flood poles or something, and and each they show how high a plant will get to. You know, often you go into okay. a garden, you're not quite sure how big a tree will be or a plant in a botanic garden. This we try and show people how tall they'll get, so we don't have the common crime of overplanting. <laughs> Correct, <laughs> which we've all <laughs> done many times. I mean, this is uh, you know at, at the botanic gardens in in the city. Um, 
an exotic garden, you, I mean, yeah, of course there's water and of course you create environments, but here the emphasis is so much on that. It's creating those sort of different worlds in which these plants grow. Yeah, and it's it's quite different too because there's no big lawn to sit on, so it's a quite a different feel, which a lot of Australian gardens are like that. And you'll also notice more plants, like here we're just passing through some linear garden beds with cultivars. Yep. So it, it's really just, look, it's trying to get an effect. It's trying to show you that certain plants you might put in your garden look beautiful in on mass. In a mass and, planting, yeah. Which, which we do probably less of in our other gardens, although we are doing a bit of that in Melbourne as well. And, and that whole, you know, the, the landscape here is quite different. So we've just gone from a big open area through into these cultivar beds. Do you go to a gift shop afterwards where you can buy all these things? Um, unfortunately, at the moment, you can't buy the plants from the gardens, although our friends have regular garden uh, sales where you can buy these. So that's... But people must come and take assiduous notes. They, they do. I thought you were going to say something else then. They, they take lots of notes. That's right. Yes. Take lots of cuttings. Yes. No, they don't do that. But they do take lots of notes. And in fact, just here, this is interesting because it's a, a research bed. It looks a bit untidy and yeah. some raised beds. We're doing some testing on plants. So people will come and look at the, the research or science we're doing. We're looking at salt-tolerant plants. We're looking at a few different cultivars. We're looking at a few plants that you can sort of cut off at ground level and will grow back, sort of woody putting meadows in fact. Now let's take a, a detour here to House and Hill. Oh, it is House and so Hill. sign. One of my little favourite spots here because it's it's got a lot of the Mallee plants, a lot of the colourful flowered plants. They're just starting now. As I said, this is sort of the start of, the, I think, the Australian spring. Yep. In fact, in local Indigenous seasons around Melbourne, it's called the orchid season. Uh, that's August. We don't have any of those native orchids out here, which would be little green hoods at the moment, but you start to see you know, a lot of uh, flower buds on the eucalypts here. You'll start to see the flowers appearing. You can see the promise of it, can't you? That yeah. It's, it's yeah. going to be a very bright place in a, a few weeks' time. There's a, a wattle, of course, so we're, we're already seeing those come out. How many varieties of wattle would you have here? Um, in the garden itself, we've probably got a few hundred different varieties. In, in the whole um, of Australia, there are, I think, it's about 700 species mm. of, of wattle. And what's interesting, there's, there's always a wattle flowering somewhere probably in Australia at any time of year. So they do flower all year, but there's a, a definite peak in August, particularly in southern Australia. So the, there's many wattles flower at this time of year. So it is really a peak. In maintenance of these beds, I mean, it, I mean that's the thing in gardening, is it not, is, is that sort of control of space and giving everybody their due and keeping things in a good relationship. Does that change a bit with an Australian plant? Do you... Do you go for a certain amount of, of sort of rough disorder? Typically you do, but one of the things we do try to do here is not always do that. So mm -hmm. here, the area we're here is a little bit more traditional in the sense of the little bit of rough edging on the garden beds and we're not so worried about a, a little bit of untidiness towards the edges. But you'll see other bits where it's a lot more orderly. It's, we prune the Australian plants. That's another thing people are a little bit reluctant to do is to cut them back, right. whereas you can. This, uh, yeah, lovely damp here, here, like a rosemary. It looks yes, very much like does, a rosemary. Yes, doesn't it? Wonderful view from up here across 
Well, it's across the, that escarpment, various, yes. steel across the water. To the, to the red centre. And if we go to the end here, you should be able to see what we call our weird and wonderful garden. And you can start to see it just <laughs> in the distance. And uh, it's full of interesting plants. Oh, let's a little chunky gum tree we'll go past here. Oak tree. And there's another one of those quaddle up bells with those lovely oh, yeah. dangling down flowers, flower buds. So you can see across here, we're looking across into, into rocks and very, very carefully angled. Um, the, the, the team that put this together, the design, is very architectural look to it all. And, and we, we put you know, as many interesting plants as we can there. So again, you can see bottle trees in, in the distance. Young gardens still, so these are still teenager plants. So it's going to get much taller and much thicker over there as well. And the sourcing of specimens for something like that? like these gardens is that a a tricky business it it can be we we started by getting a lot of mass plantings and getting as much material as we could to get into the garden what we're actually doing now is starting to bring more what we call wild wild collected material so we know where it comes from uh -huh. so one one thing we try and do in botanic gardens is know exactly where a plant comes from, we have details of its, its location, when it was collected, and that means if we need to use it for conservation or, or for science or something like that, we know that detail. So we're actually getting a bit more new material in at the moment and changing it over slightly. So we're in Cranbourne, which is the, sort of the edge of East Gippsland, a fairly wet area and a fairly temperate uh, climate. Is that restrictive in any way? Well, it's very sandy soil, which is good for Australian plants, and it's it's nice and dry. Amusingly, one of the problems we've had here is drainage, because so we've actually had too much water in some ways. <laughs> it sits below the surface, and we've had to take some soil out and put in extra drainage. But generally, this sandy soil is good for Australian plants, which is why the garden is here and not at Melbourne, where okay. it's yeah. very hard to grow many of these plants. And you can grow quite a range here at, at Cranbourne, so it's a good spot for that. And the, this Australian garden's 15 hectares inside a, a 360 hectare bushland. So outside there, you've got the, the native plants, the native animals, and then inside this little enclosure, we have plants from all over Australia. So it's a different different kind of feel, obviously, and, and a lot more formal than the, the yes. wild bushland outside. Yeah. Look, if you look in front too, we're, we're trying different creepers and climbers. So again, people are only using you know, a couple of different species in gardens, so we're trialling things. What, what we're also quite uh, okay with is sometimes they don't work or some look good. We'll try things out, uh, put new species in, and again, a little bit experimental as well, just to see what works and what doesn't. Because, yes, there's real variation in how how well those have done across yeah, those yeah. various frames there. And, and like all climbers, they all get nice and lovely and lush at the top and then they, <laughs> there's nothing at the bottom, which is always a challenge. <laughs> so we're getting into the area which we call the spits, the Malaluka spits. Um, again, a sort of a coastal feel to it. Mm -hmm. And these um, paper barks here, which are but they're only a little bit higher than us at the moment, so you can imagine when these become so mature sort of big height, trees. What, what height when mature? Well, they could get to 20, 20 metres, no. I imagine, uh, yeah. 25. They might not get so big here, so you are talking before. But it's, it's sort of great it's, it, as a young garden. It's still intensely pleasing. 
Yeah. And there's something about having like a paper bark. There's so much going on with them as a tree, and it's all so close to hand. It's on a, a scale that makes it all very visible. Yeah, I think the scale is an interesting thing in a garden like this because it feels like it's fairly large. You can see long vistas across yes. it as yeah. they are here across the water. But each of the, the garden beds, each of these sort of little, little garden designs has to have its own sort of unity and, and work together. And, and, and it does have to be big enough. I think one of the, the problems sometimes in home gardens is you try and do too many different things in your backyard. But we have the space here to you, spread out. You have to sort of confront the, the truth often in the home garden. <laughs> not as big as you'd like it to be. Maybe that oak will dominate this Fitzroy courtyard. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's quite right. Look, you've even even pleached a bit here. These. We, we have, exactly. This is our, our sort of French part of the mm -hmm. garden, the promenade. And these are figs, but they're, they're native Australian figs, so we don't often think of them in this context. It's a particular species of fig that Byron's that grows quite well here, and it can be heavily pruned into shape. So. It's a really nice little avenue, isn't it? Yeah. And you've had a failure there in the middle. Yeah, Someone, we have. Someone's See, this been is... lopped off. This is a problem, I should say, with avenues and things. It's, it's often better if you're planting avenues not to have the same age plant all the way through. This is obviously a design. It's, you know, we want this to look a certain way, but in streets, it's better if you can mix it up a bit so that if you get a failure like this one here, then you, you know, it's very difficult to know how to replace that Yes, now. yeah. Perhaps leaving it there is a <laughs> testament to the ultimate futility of any kind of endeavour in life. Right, OK, the, the Jonathan that, Green Memorial <laughs> Tree. <laughs> How to explain life in, a, in half a tree. Now we're coming in here into some more exhibition gardens, if you like, or more yep. sort of designs that you can see what you can do in your own garden. And you'll see a little bit of sort of heavy creative pruning and uh, various arrangements like a hedge over there. Uh, using Australian plants in ways that people might not have thought of using them. And some people get a bit offended by this, actually. I know when it was first started, well, they saw us pruning Australian plants into odd shapes and thought, you shouldn't do that with our native flora. It almost, uh, there was a, a feeling that we we're doing something you're allowed to do can, to an exotic plant, but not to a local. I can see where that comes from, but... It also... You would it, hold it, yourself back when you had that thought. Well, yeah, I would, and, and, and think, well, why would I not? And why am I not exploring the possibilities of these plants like any other? So here's a couple of plants up here that some people don't like very much at all. These are sort of upside down. They've been grafted, so they're, they're weeping down the acacia here. But, you know, it, it's it's... It's grotesque, probably, is one word to use it, but it's a uh, It's like it's a, turn, a turned knuckle at the top, and everything yeah. does pour down from that. You, you start to see... You see possibilities, don't you? You do. I think that, that's the thing. You can see things you like and things you don't like, and that's, that's, all, that's all good. You start to see a lot of things, you know, we talked before about things coming into flower too. This, if you think about this being late winter or early spring, there's, yeah. there's a lot coming out. I, I guess for more exotic plants in this climate, they're, they're more used to this time of year still being under snow or in, in particularly harsh conditions, whereas in the Australian environment it might be a bit cold still, but frosts are probably gone. You can safely bloom. Yeah, the, 
the Australian plants are often really their their quiet period is in in summer. So for us, the the summer periods when it's you know it's so hot that very little can happen out in the bush and things sort of quieten down. Whereas winters are relatively mild. So as you say, for an Australian plant, it's it's a time when it doesn't have to shut down so much. So that's why the seasons are a bit different. Even in our gardens, though, it's interesting when I sort of looking into this a few years ago with seasons. Even in the Northern Hemisphere and, and places where it's you get cold winters in August or this time of year, this late winter, there is a real change going on. The daffodils have all started to come out. Yep. You've seen the magnolias look fantastic at the moment. They're just starting to to really open up, and I think that's a really positive thing this time of year because you can feel cold and dark and miserable, but spring really a, is a burst starting. of colour. Yeah, it's more in Australia, but it's also in our gardens with exotic plants as well. Let's turn into the Gondwana Garden here. Um, so this, it's called the Gondwana Garden because that's Gondwana is that ancient land where, when Australia was connected to Africa and other parts of the Southern Hemisphere continents were all joined together many millions of years ago. So you, we're, we're trying to show off some of the plants that have been in Australia, you know, from that period, I guess, I've lasted through. So a lot of there's ferns and cycads, but it's there's more variety than that. There's a lot of rainforest plants here as well yeah. as we build up a little bit of shelter for them. So here you see the design of the, the paths even and the, the landscape. This is reflecting those little marks you get on the tree, a little... Uh, yeah, scribbly gum. Scribblies. Sort of scribbles. Yes. That's right. Yeah. And these are scribbly gums. They don't actually produce scribbles here in Victoria because we don't have the insect that does the scribbling. And having said House and Hill is my favourite spot, I better say yeah. it's my second favourite spot. <laughs> because. But this, I was about to say, this is, <laughs> but this is the eucalypt walk and you stay to go through. Yeah. You know, it's a bit like the Grampians or somewhere, like, somewhere with a lovely sort of rich flora, different kinds of, of eucalypts and lots of this understory with birds twittering around. Beautiful spot. And grass trees over here, of course. I guess that that's the other nice thing about its immaturity is you can you can see the structures. You know, you can see the bones of it quite clearly in the spaces. Yeah, you do. You see more detail, don't you? I suppose for a garden that's growing, you you start to see how it's all put together. Whereas once, yeah. once it's all maturing. That's interesting compared to Melbourne. Melbourne is there and it's, it's, it looks beautiful, but you really don't have a sense of how it all is put together. But this, it, it is still looking beautiful and it still creates a, a coherent overall picture, but within that you can move into the, it's the spaces between that sort of make it so accessible. Through the bloodwoods and the spotted gums. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It, there's. Um, and you'll see again here quite, quite a mass planting of particular species. So rather than just a, a couple, there's a, a yeah. little woodland or a little thicket of them. There's lines running through the whole garden. So there, there's some nice, very nice design elements that sort of hold it all together, even though you're going from one little pocket to another or one little room to another. Any remnant plants from before it was uh, landscaped? No, a lot, this whole area was a sand mine, so the, okay. the vegetation was largely removed and 
could put the garden in. But if you look around the edges, the borrowed landscape here is that yes. native bushland. So they're, they're the local species growing just on the edge here. And as you come in here, it's it's all new planting. So everything it, planted here. It forms a wonderful setting for it, doesn't it? It's, yeah. It'd be great to oh, look at that wattle. Isn't it's it amazing? Fantastic colour. Nature's high vis. <laughs> it is. <laughs> this has been a wonder, Tim. I'm I'm. I'm lost for words. <laughs> well, such a beautiful garden, so many beautiful plants, and in this beautiful time too, poised between winter and spring. Yeah, and I think that's the great thing. You can come back here, and I, I shall bring you back here in another season to see a whole different looking garden. A new world. A very new world. Tim, thank you. <laughs> thank you, Jonathan. You've been listening to Lost and Found this week from the Royal Botanic Gardens in Cranbourne, near Melbourne. You heard from the director of the Botanic Gardens, Tim Entwistle. Producers are Mira Adler-Gillies and Lisa DeVissey. Technical production by Brendan O'Neill. And sad news, both the Cranbourne Gardens and Melbourne's Metropolitan Royal Botanic Gardens are now again closed due to stage four COVID restrictions. I'm Jonathan Green. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. You can discover more ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listener.